With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Sunday, May 21st edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a great show. Brooks finally came through. Uh, if you were following along, he redeemed himself for the Masters bet uh, that we had on him. Um, we'll recap a little bit of our PGA Championship betting uh, from the weekend, talk maybe a little bit about uh, the majors to come. Then we're going to get into some football bets there. Uh, we're going to tackle the most passing, most rushing, and most receiving yardage props. Uh, they're up there on DraftKings Sportsbooks. We'll tackle those, give some best bets out uh, that we'd like there. Uh, and then we're going to talk NBA playoffs and a little baseball with Judah. It's going to be a great episode. Let's rock. Victor Hoblin couldn't quite get it done for us, Brad. But uh, I, I thankfully, Brooks was available going into the third round after shooting 66 in the second. Uh, you could have got him at uh, around 10 to 1. That's where I snagged him. I think you got him around 8 to 1. Uh, so we were all Brooks fans heading in. Victor came close, though. What, what did he, what was, what did we have him uh, to win? What would he have cashed? I want to say around 35 in that yeah, I range. Had I had 36 to 1. There you go. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing there was, um, and we talked about a pre-show. I guess we should clarify this to listeners. We'll do a better job in the Discord as well. When we give out this kind of tranche of players, a couple guys, if it's looking good early and we had Scotty, Hovland, a couple other players in the mix, if a guy like Brooks Kepka shoots a 66, you know, going into the weekend and you know it's Brooks Kepka, like the live opportunities are very strong because you still get pretty long odds. You can kind of have a couple, you know, guys in the mix. So fortunately, you and I were able to kind of I basically broke even with all the various bets I had on that. But but yeah, it is a nice way to 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 fight your way out of a, a, a hole of a bit. So we we've struggled to convince Arjun uh, to become a member of the golf betting group. Judah, how did we do with you this week? I don't think he could have wrote me in any better as someone who I don't think I've watched a single minute of golf in my life. And I was <laughs> up on my feet. You know, with Victor Hovland on uh, 13, which it just goes to show exactly uh, how gorgeous. Uh, and and I'm I'm roped in fully in. I'm I'm super excited to bet this. There's two still two majors left to go. I mean, betting majors is certainly the most fun. Uh, there's a lot of cool ways to do it. Um, Calcutta's are a very fun thing to do with golf, especially for the majors. Um, I know Rufus uh, Peabody has a well-known one. 
In fact, he has um, really made a name for himself betting golf. And, you know, for we talk a lot about betting the NFL because it's a lot of fun. We watch the NFL every single minute of it. Um, but golf is one of those sports where I think there is a lot of money to be made there. There's a lot of data to be looked at. We talk about data golf, which is a great uh, website, has a ton of really rich information um, to help you make some informed betting decisions. But I'll say this as well. Like for, I love live betting. Obviously, Judy, you do as well for, for the NFL every single week. Golf feels to me like the most fun sport to live bet. It happens slow enough where you can see how players are reacting. You can see it's just them, right? You don't need to take into account like 22 players. Like it's literally just the player and his caddy to a certain extent. Um, and so that that was where I think, you know, that going from round to round and betting and betting live there, you can have a lot of uh, success, obviously the matchups as well. Um, and then if you can just identify the PGA uh uh, club pro that's going to end up going top 15 uh, and making a hole in one you you can be very very uh worthwhile um we got uh we didn't call that one but i think overall pretty successful um tournament brad i guess heading into the the next couple of majors the u.s open uh being played in la um in uh, is it june yes yeah, it's, it's June. Uh, finishes on yep. yeah it finishes on father's day i believe um is next. Um, any takeaways from that heading into, or from, from this uh, PGA heading into the U S open. Talk about a little bit. I, th I think there are so many live opportunities in this sport and, and ways to bet. As you watch, we mentioned again, pre-show we were talking about even a simple thing, which honestly I'm going to do a better job of just studying before the tournament even begins, but they were going off both of the 10th tee and the first tee this weekend. And the announcers on ESPN plus were mentioning how the scoring nine by far, and I think you saw it all weekend long. There were more scoring opportunities on the back nine of this tournament. So they said that I'm looking at the leaderboard and I was looking at guy. There were a couple guys, you know, Kazuki Ikan that were like went very low off the back nine the guys that were like minus one, minus two through their first nine holes that were starting on the front nine, that list of players, a lot of guys that finished in the top 10 of the tournament. I mean, there were guys that were clearly the ball striking was there. They were dialed in and things were going their way. They weren't just kind of taking advantage of holes that everyone scores on. So more and more research and analysis of how can you find edges and find ways to very quickly, like it's kind of when people talk about form with soccer and stuff like that. Like in golf, you, you know, pretty darn quickly on the weekend, is this guy dialed in? Is he hitting the ball? Well, or not. I mean, for, for example, for not for Cam Young, our guy who's probably dead to me. Um, you know, I, I don't know if his friends, you know, his cousins, my friends are also dead to me, but like he was every single shot was bleeding. Right. And, and the announcer was like, Cam Young has a natural draw. It's every shot left. He doesn't even know what's happening right now. Like that's how like in the moment golf can be where like you can learn a lot about a guy in the first nine holes of their tournament and, and, and act on it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, it's it's a very good point. Um, so a couple of things. So uh, let's look at uh, US, U.S. Open odds because they are you can find them. I'm looking at them on DraftKings right now. Scotty Scheffler, the favorite, plus eight fifty. John Rahm nine to one. Rory ten to one. Brooks is fourteen to one. I'm not gonna lie. Put a little bit uh, down on him just now because I think that's I think he probably should be the favorite. Um, we'll talk about the the course here in a second. Want to get a few thoughts? Justin Thomas sixteen to one. Xander. And Patrick Cantlay, 18 to 1. Max Homa, Colin Morikawa, 20 to 1. As I've mentioned, Max Homa reportedly has the three lowest scores ever shot at LA Country Club's North Course. He's from LA. 
Um, I bet him at 34 to one, like back at the Super Bowl. He's now down to 20 to one, maybe still some value there on the outside. Um, Victor Hovland, uh, sorry, Camp Smith, 22 to one, Hovland and Matt Fitzpatrick, along with Jordan Spieth, 25 to one, Tony Finau, uh, Shane Lowry, 28 to one, as well as Dustin Johnson. Uh, that's where I'll stop reading. But anything kind of stick out to you, um, Brad, about uh, any of those or anyone else, uh, especially considering that course? Yeah, the, the big one for me is, and look, he's the favorite, so it's not really providing a ton of value. But again, with Scotty Scheffler this weekend, he was lipping out putts left, right, and center, but his ball striking was the best in the field. I mean, maybe besides Brooks Kepka, who was kind of just very consistent, very accurate, very, um, you know, like not a lot of mistakes. But Scheffler's moving day Saturday, you know, going three over. Otherwise, he was the best player in the field. And again, it was without making, like you said, he made his first putt over 15 feet on the 18th hole of today on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, it's not like it's a mystery. He's probably the best player in the world right now. But um, I think he's going to break through and win one of these last two majors. Um, you know, we'll, we'll dive in on some more players. But um, I need to learn more about LA Country Club and, and do my deep dives. But it's, 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 it's probably going to be as U.S. Open always is. It's a ball striking tournament. Here's one more kind of, you know, lesson we learned. I put Shane Lowry as a bet. I had a couple of people in the chat, which I love. They were like, why Shane Lowry? I don't see that at all. His putting strokes gained was abysmal. He was hitting the ball well the last couple of tournaments and finishing like outside the top 35 tournaments in a row. But it was all because he could not putt to save his life. He had some putts drop this weekend and finished, I think, tied 11th. Like that's that's golf sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, putting is such a uh, not the right stat to like follow, right? Usually it does do a good job of determining who wins, but it's very hard to predict. A um, couple of notes on, on LA Country Club's North Course. There are five par threes, three par fives on this course. So it's an interesting kind of wrinkle. I think looking at some data around those par threes um, would be interesting. A guy that did play well, he didn't play super well in, in the last round, but played pretty solid, who's 60 to one that, that I took a little flyer on here just going through is... Um, Tommy Fleetwood uh, and Bryson DeChambeau, also 60 to one, uh, both players who have you know struck the ball well, have the length um, uh, and can certainly hit their iron as well. So enough golf talk. Um, Judo, we've hooked you. So I'll expect you to come with um, with some some uh, insights as we head into the U.S. Open. Um, before we get into football, a uh, quick reminder that you can go to pff.com, get yourself a PFF Plus subscription, 25% off, promo code forecast, F-R-E-C-A-S-T. Get yourself prepared for the upcoming fantasy, NFL, and betting seasons appropriately. We've got some cool stuff coming up uh, on the fantasy side that you'll want to make sure you have a PFF subscription for. Uh, league syncing capabilities that we've never had in the past, and a live draft assistant as well. Um Mock Draft Simulator also coming for, for fantasy, uh, thanks to Timo Riske and all of the great work that, that he's able to do. Um, you may have heard it here first, but uh, that's because you're a member of the printing press and you get that type of information for being a privileged member of the press, uh, which you can also uh, indulge further in, in our Discord, which you should go join. The link is in the description. Uh, as Brad mentioned, we give out a lot of our plays there and the members of Printing Press deliver some great value as well across all different sports and non-sports, honestly, betting activity there. So it's a great place to go uh, and join us as we prepare for the upcoming NFL season. Okay, uh, let's get into this here. So these are on DraftKings uh, and what we're looking at are um, player to have the most passing yards, most rushing yards, most receiving yards. I think these are interesting because um, there's a lot of kind of conversation around both the ability of the player, 
but also what that kind of offense is going to look like. Not necessarily win the most games, right? But kind of be in the types of games that are going to be conducive to these sorts of, of yardage outcomes. Um, Eric and I have talked about this a lot on this podcast with regard to like most passing yards. Remember the great Jameis Winston bet that he had, um, Dak Prescott as well. So let's start with most passing yards. Uh, we'll go around the horn here. I'll read off um, the, at least the, the favorites, um, and then we'll go Brad, Judah, and then myself. So Patrick Mahomes plus 550, Joe Burrow six to one, Justin Herbert seven to one, uh, our Lord and Savior Josh Allen 10 to one, along with Kirk Cousins. Tua Tagovailoa is 12 to one, Trevor Lawrence 14 to one, Jared Goff 16, Dak Prescott 18, Derek Carr is 20 to one. Brad, what you thinking here? Yeah, so one guy that's just off the list you mentioned, and it's the exact analysis you just provided, a guy that I think is going to be in a lot of shootouts, a lot of close games, playing a lot into the fourth quarter. The offense is not super conducive to throwing it a ton, um, but that is Aaron Rodgers uh, of the New York Jets, who's 22 to 1 here. Look, we've seen the last couple of years, they try to be very heavy in the run game and only throw at opportune times, throw off play action, all those things. But the thought here is, yeah, that was in the NFC North against the you know Bears, Lions and Vikings, uh, where they probably didn't need to throw a whole lot late in games, and also the NFC conference in general. Um, you're now in the you know the brutal AFC East and the AFC period. You also made this massive expenditure. You're not going to lose games because you're running the ball too much on early downs with Brees Hall coming off a torn ACL. Like you're going to lose games because Aaron Rodgers is going to throw you into or out of them. Um, so yeah, look, I get he's 40. I get it's not the the offense is not the most you know gunning offense, but they built they have a ton of receiving weapons around him. They can withstand some injuries, um, and, and I think they are going to be throwing the football a whole lot. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I think my concern there would be if Rodgers is still the uh, offensive coordinator, he'd like take the play clock to the to the end. And you'll actually True. notice they have very few attempts. So I think it would be a lot of efficiency. But as you kind of said, uh, there all the pieces are certainly set up. I also like a guy uh, just outside the range. And uh, Brad, I thought you might be going here. That's Geno Smith uh, at 25 to 1. Uh, I was pretty shocked that the Seahawks were eighth in the NFL and pass rate over expected doing so about 3% of the time, which kind of the reputation is this team loves to run, but statistically speaking, they actually threw the ball plenty. Uh, Geno Smith was also the number one graded passer on deep throws by a wide margin, uh, which obviously if you're trying to, to rack up yards, that's a great way of doing it, uh, hitting a bunch of bombs. I also like the kind of way the Seahawks have signaled uh, by drafting right? Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. This is a team with three great receivers. They're going to be throwing the ball. They have confidence in Geno Smith. They didn't draft a, another quarterback. Uh, and then one kind of point on the margins, but I think this might matter a little bit, is right. they drafted two rookie tackles last year who historically rookie tackles struggle in their, in their first year. Uh, I think you have to kind of bake in some projection of those guys getting better. Uh, Lucas and Cross. Uh, and I think that even just like an extra tenth of a second of time uh, might make all the difference, especially for a guy like Geno Smith who loves to throw deep. Uh, and if you if you connect on enough of those over the course of a season, uh, I think this is this is a bet that might actually be able to hit. I like both of those. Um, I generally, obviously, don't like going with any of the favorites. I like going with more of the long shots. This one, I think, is is middle of the pack here, but I think inappropriately valued relative to some of the guys that are ahead of him, like um, Tua, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff. And that's Dak Prescott. And, and one of the reasons that I like uh, Prescott here is actually something that I believe, I think it was you, Judith, you were talking about last time we chatted, which is this kind of, do we actually believe like Mike McCarthy is going to just run the ball 
uh, like crazy. And, you know, in Green Bay, we didn't really see that. Um, but at the same time, if you look, just look at the investment that has been made uh, in the offense for the Cowboys, and it would point to them throwing more, right? The, the big addition from an offensive perspective was at receiver with, with Brandon Cooks, not at running back, right? They didn't draft a B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. Um, they have Tony Pollard back there, who I think the entire team believes probably isn't a 30, you know, carry a game guy. Uh, they don't want him to get injured. They want to keep him fresh. So I, I really do think this is going to be a very pass first offense. You also think about the um, kind of context for the Cowboys, right? They are going to want to prove that the investment in Dak Prescott is worthwhile. So I think they're going to give him a shot to either play his way into it or play his way out of it. Um, and then they're they're not the favorite in their division, right? They're going to be playing, you know, some games against some other good teams or chance they're, they're playing from behind. Um, but I also am not terrified of the uh, the defenses in their division either, right? I think the the Eagles defense still good, but not one that you're that you're particularly scared of. Um, they actually also had some some losses uh, on that that side of the ball. Um, we talked about the Giants and, and the Commanders as well. Uh, not defenses that scare me. Um, Prescott's numbers last year obviously depressed because he did not he was injured and did not play uh, a ton. But I think everything sets up for him to be very very pass happy. Um, so I like him at uh, at eighteen to one. Um, anyone any like super super long shots that you guys think are are worth taking a a flyer on here? Yeah, I've definitely got one. I think it's Sam Howell a hundred to one. You jump in, Judah, but. Yeah, jump, jump in, jump in. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, Sam Howell, 100 to 1. Uh, I mean, look, we have very little data on him, obviously, but I think that's baked into the price. Uh, here's a guy who, throughout college, had an extremely high A dot in the one sample we had of the uh, game last year against the Cowboys in Week 18. He also had a very high A dot. This is a guy who loves to push the ball down the field, and I think his receivers are built for that, exactly. Uh, Jahan Dotson... Uh, has like the eighth best separation on deep routes. He's one of the best contested catch guys in the league. Same with Terry McLaurin. Uh, Curtis Samuel, also a plus receiver uh, on these deep throws. I can kind of see it if uh, Washington just gives Sam Howell the reins. Maybe he has a couple good games early. I can see a kind of Jameis Winston type season where this is a guy that this is a team with nothing to lose. Uh, and like they're not, I don't think they're going to be particularly good, but I can see them racking up yards. Sam Howell has a cannon of an arm. Uh, if he puts it together, I don't think 100 to 1. Uh, is necessarily a fair price. I mean, they have great receivers. I love that. I just wanted real quick. I want to touch on because you mentioned something that I jotted down and forgot to mention, which was the seconds per play, and it's why I love your pick, George. Uh, Dallas was fourth last year in seconds between plays. This is where I was. I, I was wondering, Judah. You mentioned if Aaron Rodgers is the OC. The Jets were fifth last year in seconds per play. He has some trailing as part of it. The Packers were thirty first. So is Aaron Rodgers going to be the one dictating the pace of play, or is the New York Jets and Nathaniel Hackett? Um, but that that is obviously a key piece of this, and I do. Um, um, I think Dallas, all the noise about the running the football, I, I don't buy any of it. Two, uh, Sam Halpick is an interesting one. No love for my guy, Sam Donald, but that's okay. Uh, he'll <laughs> surprise everybody. Let's go to the uh, the rushing side of the ball. So um, most rushing yards in the 2023 NFL season, the favorite, Jonathan Taylor and, and Derek Henry, both at 8-1. to Nick Chubb, 10-1. to Dalvin Cook, hilariously, is 12-1. to So is Josh Jacobs. Bijan and Saquon. At 14 to 1, Tony Pollard and Miles Sanders at 16. Uh, Joe Mixon at 18 to 1, Christian McCaffrey, 20 to 1, Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall also at 20 to 1. James Conner, 
uh, is 22 to one. And I will stop after this one because it is noteworthy. Justin Fields is at 22 to one as well. Brad, what do you like here? Get me. I'm going to go last Joe. I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. So go okay. ahead, Judah. Okay. I've got one just off this list, uh, which is Travis Etienne at 25 to one. First off, I think the Jags are going to be an absolute wagon this year. They're by far the best team in the AFC South. Uh, and also when I'm looking at rushing props, I want volume and especially that's going to happen with uh, a team winning games. Uh, I also don't think the Jaguars are afraid to give the ball to Etienne a bunch. There's a couple of uh, games in the middle of last season. He had like 25, 28 carries. Uh, they're willing to to give him uh, the ball as, as much as they need. Uh, Etienne is number one in, in rush yards over expected model. He's a good player and also eighth in PFF breakaway speed. This is a guy who can break long runs. We saw that. Uh, all over the course of last year for a good team if he stays healthy gets enough carries and it's just a good running back i think he's got a shot yeah i like etienne a lot um they're so i mean i really like nick chubb um at, at 10 to 1 that's a little a little rich um but i think if you compare him to like for example the two guys like i think nick chubb should be the favorite here is kind of what i'm getting at um i think they're gonna run uh nick chubb to to death over there uh in cleveland especially to try and protect deshaun watson but my favorite bet here i'm gonna go uh, way down the line and that's a 31 bet and i absolutely love this one kenneth walker the third kenneth walker the third was not a full-time player the entire time last year but when he was he was absolutely dominant the guy was killing people at an 85 pff grade um really really impressive he forced 40 missed tackles um that is uh more missed tackles than saquon barkley forced and he had like 70 fewer attempts um so this guy's got the juice now i realize that there's you know we just talked about geno's potentially a passing yardage guy and there are some there's some competitors in the backfield there but i think the temptation to give the ball to kenneth walker is just going to be too great um, and at 31 for a guy like Pete Carroll, like, I think Pete Carroll's looking at this and going like, Hey, this is like, you know, this is Marshawn Lynch, like 2.0 for me. I'm not going to mess this up. I'm going to hand him the ball a ton. Um, and so I, so I love that, you know, we just talked about his kind of force miss tackle rate. Um, but I also love this. He had zero fumbles last year, zero. So when you think about the kind of confidence in handing the ball off to him, I think it will be super, super high. Um, so i like Kenneth Walker at 30 to one Brad. All right. You guys, you guys both passed the test. I think this market is comical and, and I think you guys both nailed it in either take one of the favorites. You mentioned Nick Chubb. I'm actually going to go with Saquon Barkley in a second, but I think a lot of these names on this list are hilariously high. Dalvin cook might not be on the team. He's currently on. Why is he 12 to one? Ooh. Tony Pollard is coming off a broken leg and is going to have 12 carries a game. Why is he 16 to one Miles Sanders going from the best offensive line in football on a team that had the lead in every single game they're playing in to a team with a rookie quarterback i could go down 10 more names that their odds make absolutely no sense for why they're so high on this list Brees paul injury justin fields a quarterback james connor on the cardinals is gonna lead the nfl rushing yards next year anyway um <laughs> I, it's just it's a hilarious list to me so anyway like I, I think you guys nailed either go long odds look alvin kamara is gonna be suspended for six games he's 25 to one anyway soapbox uh, exited saquon barkley to me 
Uh, I, I think there's a very good chance at this point he might be going into a franchise tag year. So there is a huge element both from his perspective and the teams of we're going to run him into the ground and really not have, you know, which was already the case last year. Um, through the first 15 or so weeks of the year, they just ran him with reckless abandon. And I think you also saw last year, not I think, you saw last year the loaded boxes they faced went down as the season went on. That might be because of defenses faced. I probably should have taken more time and seen if that was who they were playing against. But I think it also was just a continued respect level for Brian Dayball and a little bit for Daniel Jones as well. You add in a Darren Waller, you add in a couple tertiary receiving options as well. I think you will get more favorable looks, but you're still going to get 300 plus carries for Saquon Barkley. They added Eric Gray from Oklahoma in the sixth round or maybe the late fifth round. I want to say not much, you know, Gary Brightwell, uh, you know, Eric Gray, like not much competition there. Um, I, I like Saquon Barkley at 14 to one. Otherwise I literally say, Maybe a flyer on Bijan, or you should be looking at 25 to 1 or beyond because everyone else in that cluster is is silly to me. Yeah, I mean, I was having a hard time not laughing. Like when I saw Dalvin Cook told one, like, who is pricing this? Um, yeah. Absolutely hilarious. I love some of the long shots here. I think with passing, it's harder to like, you know, wrap your head around like Baker Mayfield really going to lead the league in passing, but rushing, I mean, it's a total, I think, really wide open, especially with the way that, that injuries happen here. So I'm excited to hear what you guys are thinking for some long shots. I'll give uh, one of the the long shot that's that I like here, and that's DeAndre Swift. You just mentioned it, Brad. Uh, who is going to a team with possibly the best offensive line in the NFL? That is DeAndre Swift, who was basically thrown out of uh, a team that drafted him highly, um, in in favor of another player that they drafted highly, who's going to have a chip on their shoulder? DeAndre Swift. I love it. I also think the Eagles are going to lean into that. Who is he competing for? Carries uh, in the backfield there with the Eagles. I mean, basically it's Jalen Hurts. Like that's the real. That's the reason that th- this is going to have struggle to to win if it does. But he's sixty to one. Sixty to one on a team that could be dominant throughout the NFC. Um, and uh, to be clear, like his biggest competition for carries is the quarterback who was injured last year, who they're probably not going to want to have injured going into the playoffs. Like they're not trying to prove that Jalen Smith is the answer, just Jalen Smith, that I don't know how that even came up, that Jalen Hurts is the answer there, right? They don't need to do that anymore. So you can, I think, not give him as many carries this year. You can still kind of cruise into the playoffs, probably cruise into like a number one seed or, or top two seed um, and be better prepared, I think, to make that that playoff push without a hurt Jalen Hurts. And I think that means a lot of carries for Dondre Swift. I think it's 60 to one. It's comical. Like, I think he's got a better chance chance than Dalvin Cook this year, <laughs> who's who's 12 to one. Um, but, but curious to hear your guys take, Judah. Yeah, uh, I'd go with James Cook, 100 to 1. This is way down the list. Um, mm-hmm. He was really good last year. Dude averaged like 5.7 yards per carry, uh, broke off a bunch of long runs. And I think here, uh, I'm not so sure that the Bills are going to kind of run Josh Allen as much as they have in previous years, kind of to what you were saying. Josh Allen was hurt uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see kind of a, a schematic change there. They didn't draft a running back for the first time in a while. Uh, I think James Cook might get a little bit of a leash, especially if he's if he's good early on. Uh, but he's competing with Damian Harris and the corpse of Latavius Murray. Um, I just I, th- I think Cook, uh, especially if he can take a stranglehold early, which I think will be given that opportunity. He's a good player uh, for a team that should be leading in a bunch of games. Again, as we've said, 
I think he's got as good odds as, uh, you know, suspended Alvin Kamara uh, or Rashad White on a, it's an absolute disaster of a Tampa Bay team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, White was also one that, that I kind of chuckled at. So I have one that maybe you wouldn't qualify as a long shot, but he's outside the top 20 names. And I actually love this one. This is one that I went and bet as I saw it. Uh, that's Najee Harris. So, look, Najee Harris, first half of the season last year, his first nine weeks, he was abysmal. Turns out he was playing through a Liz Frank injury in his foot. He had a steel plate in his shoe the entire time. He had zero games of 75 rushing yards. He had one game getting over four yards a carry. He looked the last nine weeks of the year. He had six games with at least 75 rushing yards and four games with at least four yards a carry. Just a different player. And again, they did play some worse defenses and had slightly more favorable situations the second half of the year. But they added Jalen in the undrafted free agent last year. I want to say they did not draft a running back. Or if they did, it was very, very late because it's skipping my mind right now. Um, Didn't sign anyone of note. And yeah, like if he stays healthy the whole year, they're still going to lean on him a ton. You add Isaac Samalo in free agency to play guard. You add Broderick Jones in the first round trade up for him. In my opinion, the best run blocking tackle in this class. Like uh, they're going to run the football a ton and not put Kenny Pickett in a lot of, you know, unfavorable situations. But for me, he was awful the first half last year because of an injury. A healthy Najee Harris is going to get 300, maybe 350 carries. Um, I, I love that one when I saw it at 35 to 1. Yeah, it's a great point about the injury last year because I think everyone remembers that start to the year. And then, like, the end of the year for the Steelers was just kind of like, nah, they already suck. Like, Kenny Pickett's out there just kind of slinging it around. Um, and he is going to get work. Like, that is the number one thing you're looking for, I think, here is, like, are they going to get an opportunity to carry the rock? And let me tell you, maybe no one is going to get more of an opportunity, maybe Nick Chubb, um, to carry the rock like uh, um, uh, like like he will. So, um, love all of those. Let's get to receiving. Um, most receiving yards in the 2023 NFL season, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, both LSU guys tied at the top, plus 750. Tyreek Hill is 9 to 1. Cooper Cup, 11 to 1. AJ Brown, 16 to 1. Jalen Waddle, 18 to 1, as well as Devontae Adams. Stephon Diggs is 20 to 1. Travis Kelsey, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, all 25 to 1. T. Higgins and Chris Olave, as well as C.D. Lamb, are 28 to 1. Scary Terry, Devontae Smith, 30 to 1. Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, and DK Metcalf, as well as Amari Cooper, at 35 to 1. Um, Brad, you want to start? Sure. Yeah. So the first one I like that's kind of near the top of the leaderboard is Stephon Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. They tried to add some receiving weapons. They, of course, traded up and used a first-round pick on Dalton Kincaid. We've mentioned on this podcast many times, you don't produce a ton as a rookie tight end, even a good receiving weapon rookie tight end. I think he'll be a factor, but not going to like eat it, massively eat into Stephon Diggs' target share by any means. They went out and signed Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, you know, some solid players. But frankly, I think mostly what they did was sign a lot of pass protectors, guard Connor McGovern. You, you draft Osiris Torrance in the second round, our highest-graded power five guard from a pass blocking standpoint. And like you mentioned, they don't want uh, Josh Allen to run as much as he did. Uh, you know, it kind of feeds into your James Cook bet. And then lastly, the same reason I liked Aaron Rodgers for passing yards and the bills still like, their defense, as we've discussed, is not very good or not as good as it's being held up as. They can't rush the passer very well without Von Miller. I think they're going to be playing a ton of shootout football games throughout the entire season. And I think Stephon Diggs is going to get fed in a lot of those games. Yeah. I like Diggs, Diggs a lot there. I go with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 25 to 1. Hmm. I don't know who the secondary receivers are for the Lions, especially with Jamison Williams out. But it's Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones. 
uh, rookie tight end. Greatness. Uh, yeah, this is not this is not the same. Uh, you know, completely weak uh, team. They're going to go to Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. He as it as it were last year had like a thirty percent target share on his routes. The dude just earns targets at a rate like uh, nobody else in the league. Uh, he was the number two receiver uh, graded by PFF uh, with no target competition at all. The guy who just produces uh, at 25 to one. I really like it, especially the Lions, I think, made some good improvements on defense. They're still not, I don't think, going to be an above average unit. Uh, it's a team who's going to pass, and he's really their only receiver right now. That's a great call. Um, so if I were pricing this market, this is a player that I would have expected to be top four, um, maybe, maybe top five. I, I think right when you get past Cooper Cup and you get to the A.J. Brown territory, I go, why is this player not here? Because like I love A.J. Brown, but is he going to play enough to to lead the league in, in receiving yards? Are they going to be down enough for him to lead the league in receiving yards? He's also competing with Devontae Smith, who is a very good player. Jalen Waddell at 18 to 1. He's competing with Tyreek Hill. Like how How is that going to happen? CD Lamb is how CD Lamb is not top five in this market absolutely astounds me. I just talked about Dak Prescott, most passing yards. So naturally, I'm going to go and look at who is he going to be throwing the ball to. And I, I mentioned that they brought in Brandon Cooks. But if you think Brandon Cooks is as big of a, you know, a target machine as some of the other players that these guys at the top are competing with, even Jamar Chase, um, you know, maybe even to Justin Jefferson. Like you're out of your mind. And for a team that I think is going to be passing a ton, we know who Dak Prescott's favorite target is. And I think that the the Cowboys have learned, and this is why they brought Brandon Cooks in. It's why I'm so excited about CeeDee Lamb this year, is I think he's going to play in the slot a lot more. And this dude is probably the best slot receiver in the NFL who actually plays slot really consistently. Tyreek Hill is another one of those guys that they, they put in the slot a ton um, and just kills people. But CeeDee Lamb should be in there a ton and should get a massive number of targets. Um, so at 28 to 1, I mean, I would have considered betting him at, at 18 to 1. Um, but at 28 to 1, I think this is an absolute steal. Like, I just, I, what am I missing, guys? I guess that that he is so far down the list. George, I'm missing anything. I had Dak for MVP and, and uh, CeeDee Lamb for Offensive Player of the Year on a podcast like two weeks ago. So I'm just, I love the no. I, I agree with you 110. percent I, 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 you're not missing anything as far as I can tell. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really glad that we that, that DraftKings posted these because it's a long off season. It's hard to find fun things to bet on, and I feel like we've uh, we've uncovered some value here. Okay, let's let's take a look at um, some long shots. Um, Brad, Judah, where do you guys want to go? Go ahead, Judah, if you have one. I've got Christian Watson. Uh, 40 to one. I think this is just a bet on talent play. Uh, the dude was like 97th percentile in our yards after the catch. Uh, one of the best, uh, on, on deep passes, 99th percentile contested catch, which is not necessarily so stable, uh, but he's definitely got the, the body type for it. Also probably going to be an unquestioned number one receiver. Maybe Romeo Dobbs takes on a little bit of work. Jordan Love's definitely an unknown, but Christian Watson, as we saw in the, you know, one sample we had with Jordan Love might be taking uh, 60 yard touchdowns to the house. Uh, fairly regularly for the Packers this year. 40 to one, I like it. Um, and I have one more. This is not offered. I'm in love with Rashid Shahid. I think the dude is an absolute baller. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I I checked everywhere. No props available. Uh, the oh. guy, basically every facet of the game has graded at an elite mark, whether it's separation on regular plays, on deep plays, yards after the catch, contested catches. The dude is an absolute machine. 
Uh, I see it as one of those guys who can come out of nowhere. I'm really, really, really hoping we can clip this in like four months from now when Rashid Shahid is absolutely balling. Uh, the I, dude is, I think, an absolute stud. Uh, extremely many, undervalued. I just pray we can get a, a market on him. How many people can can if you said Rahid Shahid plays professional sports, which sport does he play for? I wonder how many fans could actually name that sport correctly. And then of those that could, who got lucky, how many could actually tell you what team he plays on? Yeah, I'll tell you after the 2023 season concludes. I have a feeling everyone's going to know Rashid Shahid. Incredible. By Derek, the way, Derek uh, Carr to Rashid Shahid. Get used to hearing it. <laughs> he's uh for anyone that's wondering, he is from San Diego, California. So he's he's from the right right state. Uh, he went to Weber State uh, and was an undrafted free agent who signed with uh, with the Saints. Um, and yes, he can uh, he can absolutely get down the football field. Um, Brad. Yep. So uh, a couple that one I'll just throw out there. No analysis. Just D Hop is forty to one. If you think DeAndre Hopkins might get traded somewhere that has a good offense, maybe you just throw a flyer. I'll go with a different one. It's a massively risky bet because he has not played a whole lot of football. But let's enter a reality where Calvin Ridley was just like had a normal career the last couple of years, and you're saying, okay, you're coming into the number one receiving threat in, in Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson's offense, and you're the clear cut number one guy. Yeah, I like Christian Kirk, but Ridley's a better player. Again, if we if we're getting what we think we're getting, um, you know, uh, they should you know their division stinks, but they should have some games where they're gonna have to throw a whole lot. Their defense. I you could argue maybe took a step back this offseason, losing Arden Key, losing some guys like Dwayne Smoot, who's I guess still unsigned. But nevertheless, um, I just think again, there's total risk here. But Calvin Ridley, the Calvin Ridley we knew this would be a phenomenal bet at 60 to 1. Fresh legs. That's the way you spit right, it. The freshest, fresh legs. Legs. <laughs> the freshest legs in the NFL, Calvin Ridley. <laughs> no, that that was actually the one that I that I had my eye on, Brad. And you you make some great points. I just go back a couple of years to hey, Calvin Ridley has a chance to lead the league in receiving yards once Julio left uh, Atlanta, and no one would have batted an eye uh, at you. So why? Just because he he took a year off, like all of a sudden he's he's completely cooked. I mean, there's definitely a chance that it takes him a while, but um, to your point, like you're getting a guy that is certainly a top, a wide receiver one talent in, at a price where you're seeing a lot of like wide receiver twos. Um, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. The, the other ones that that do kind of stick out to me a little bit are the the guys in um in uh in Tampa Bay Chris Godwin Mike Evans I do think they're gonna have to throw a hell of a lot if you could you know if you had a thought on which one will be the go-to for Baker Mayfield I think that could be a, a worthwhile bet but I love Calvin Ridley at uh at 60 to one as well um all right this uh this gets us nicely into a little NBA playoffs. Um, I think we know the finals, uh, although according to ESPN, the finals are going to be played uh, between the Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics because ESPN analytics refuses, absolutely refuses to come off their priors and thinks that the Boston Celtics are still 65% to win, uh, to win the series and, and go on to play the Denver Nuggets. Absolutely incredible. Uh, they said that they were 97% to win at the start of the series. Um, I just hope, guys, that ESPN finds a way to turn this into a sports book um, that we can that we can quickly uh, quickly profit on. Um, we have game tonight. We're recording this on a Sunday evening. So, Brad, there's no way this will come back uh, to bite you. What What are your thoughts on the on the Celtics Heat 
game three tonight in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I get why the, the Celtics are favored, but and it's up to four and a half now. It was three at open. Honestly, it's just like, look, I mean, Tatum could turn on any point. Hadn't scored in the, in the fourth quarter in either of the first two games. Had 51 the game before that. Like, he's so volatile. Jalen Brown, I think I mentioned this to you, like, off the show. People think he hurt his wrist on a throwdown dunk in, the, in game seven against the Sixers. Uh, and that's why he always turns the ball over a ton. But he, like, forgot how to dribble the last couple games. I just look, I'm staying away because like if anything, I bet heat money line and or, or like or something like that. I just I get why Boston's favorite, but I, I have no faith in Boston right now. The finals odds, by the way. So the NBA championship odds right now on FanDuel Nuggets minus 165. The Celtics are plus 320 and the Miami Heat are plus 420. Lakers 33 to one, not surprisingly. But that is that is still no respect for the Miami Heat. They're basically saying the Heat are so bad that even though they're favored to win this series, they've got no shot against the Nuggets in, in the finals. And yeah, the Nuggets are, are really good, but um, that is interesting to me. Uh, Judah, we've converted you into a, a golf fan. Um, and so that means that you also have to bet some basketball with us. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm still mourning the one NBA bet I've made this year, which was the, the Lakers 27 to one ticket. It's brutal. Um, which, which is tough. And I, I probably should have... Uh, Hedged out, but look, just following the markets, I I think that the Celtics are extremely overvalued. Uh, they've been huge favorites basically. I've been paying attention uh, since the the Sixers series. They had a really difficult time there. Uh, the Heat, conversely, I think uh, nobody's given them any credit. Could have gotten them like thirty to one uh, after the first round. And like this is a team that was the number one seed last year. They beat the Bucks pretty handily. I don't think that happens by accident. Uh, I think it's time that actually. Uh, Believe in believe in them. Uh, I'm I'm fine to bet them to uh, to win the whole thing. Yeah, I mean Ty- I, Tyler Hero. I, sorry to cut you off, George, but like Tyler, I don't, I'm sure Vegas is fact- factoring this in. But Tyler Hero could return for the finals as well, <laughs> like an important piece of this Miami Heat offense. Yeah, yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, and, and for as good as the the Nuggets have been, and they have been really, really, really good. Um, I wouldn't. I think that. The Lakers have gotten a little lucky to be where they are. Um, and some things have gone well for them. They've had some, you know, some players that have kind of played out of their mind in a couple of, of areas. So, you know, I, I don't know that, that that sweep or whatever it ends up being a five game sweep, if that's what ends up happening uh, of the Lakers, you know, should be that much overvalued relative to what the heat have done. So I, I like heat uh, plus 420 as well. Um, I will say the only thing that has kept me um, from crying during these Laker games is the fact that I've bet the Nuggets in every single one um, yeah. because of the faith that I that I have in in the Lake Show, um, and uh, they have not disappointed. I'm looking forward to an entire summer of uh, is LeBron cooked? That's going to be really exciting uh, for us to listen to. I think Stephen A. and Skip Bayless will have some really thoughtful things to say there. So at least we have that. Uh, have that going for us. Um, okay. Uh, Judah, some baseball. Um, yeah. you educated us, uh, last week. Keep it going. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go back to the Mariners. We're going to, we're going to first start with two games for tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going to take the Mariners minus two and a half, a plus one thirty on DraftKings. Uh, they're going up against Kyle, Mur- Kyle Muller, Luis Castillo struggled a bit in his last couple of starts against some good, uh, Rangers and Sox teams, but the peripherals look all 
the same as they have all year, which is a pitcher who's one of the best in the American League with around a three ERA. He's still generating a tons of swings, swings and misses. Uh, the Oakland A's are an absolutely hapless team. Uh, their bullpen ERA is 6.5, which is almost like a run and a half worse than uh, any other team. So I'm pretty fine uh, kind of moving with an alternate line uh, against the the A's. Uh, Kyle Muller, pretty bad lefty. The uh, Mariners have not had too many games against left-handed pitching, but they have all the talent uh, to be left-handers with Julio, Julio Rodriguez, Eugenio Suarez, Jared Kelnick hits lefties very well. And again, this bullpen is an absolute train wreck. Runs can pile up very quickly. We're also going to go with the Reds uh, Cardinals game, taking the Cardinals minus one and a half at minus 110, also on DraftKings. Uh, Brandon Williamson, he's, he's a prospect, uh, but the dude in AAA Louisville this year has a 6.62 ERA. And that's not just bad at ball luck. The guy cannot stop walking people. He had 20 walks <laughs> in 34 innings. He can't strike guys out, 27 strikeouts. He had a very good start uh, in Colorado. And I think combined with his pedigree, that is like a Baseball America top 100 prospect and a first good start, he's kind of being priced at a little bitter uh, than he is. The Cardinals are red hot. I expect them to put a bunch of balls in play, uh, get a bunch of runs. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, pretty solid starter. Uh, I expect the, the Cardinals to win here. And last but not least, it sounds like you were describing yeah. real quick Steve Palazzolo's uh, pedigree. Um, can't strike anyone out, walks a bunch of people, but looks great. Wonderful hair. Awesome yeah, hair. That's what counts, honestly. You know, as, as someone who I, I think will go bald at one point, uh, I, I can understand that. Um, but uh, to bless the people with one Are more, never, a yeah, little out of control, more. but that's that's how I roll. Uh, we've got a Chicago White Sox, 250 to one to win the World Series. That seems insane. But wow. this has the, the there's a huge tails risk, which is that like if they stay, you know, eight, nine games uh, under 500, they're going to sell off their team. But this is a team who had some really underachieving pitchers. Lance Lynn was pitching. Uh, this guy's probably at like a three, five, four ERA. Uh, according to most advanced metrics, was pitching to a seven ERA. Dylan Sees, who was one of the best pitchers in the American League last year, also pitching to a five ERA. Uh, Lucas Giolito also uh, underperforming relative to uh, his peripheral stats. And like their other starters, Mike Clevenger and Michael Kopak. Michael Kopak, who, by the way, threw eight innings, one hit, 10 strikeouts, uh, also former number one prospect. Uh, they have all the makings of a team that can make a deep run, which is like five really good starters. If again, if all goes right, uh, and their offense was really hurt for most of the year. Yuan Moncada's missed a bunch of time. Eloy Jimenez has missed a bunch of time. Uh, Tim Anderson missed a bunch of time. They're all back, or Jimenez is coming back soon. He had a, a adductor. A, a, what's it called? Appendectomy. Uh, that's what the word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> not adductor. No, no, not adductor. Didn't didn't hurt himself squatting. Um, but the point is, if if all turns well, they have all the upside. Um, and I think that this is a team that was really good a couple years ago. On paper, it's it's pretty much uh, the same. Uh, again, it's a real long shot. Uh, but if everything goes right, uh, I think they have uh, what it takes to make some noise. In a bad AL Central, I should say. That would be awesome. It is a bad division. It's true. I'm, I'm on board. I'm in. I'm placing that bet right now. Uh, this was a great podcast. Um, thank you guys for uh, for hanging out. Um, love you all. Make sure you join the the printing press discord when you get a chance. Uh, and we'll see you all on Wednesday, a teaser for Wednesday. We are, we are taking the, the input from the viewers. Viewers want to hear how to bet on other sports besides football. And we are bringing in officially this year, WNBA to the fold. We've talked about it a lot. 
the good doctor himself, Eric Eager, a huge fan of the W. I love the WNBA. It's a phenomenal product. Um, ben Brown, um, who is the brains behind WNBA model that we always reference, is coming on the podcast on Wednesday. We are going to talk WNBA bets for like three straight hours. It's going to be like Joe Rogan, but with the WNBA. Great podcast. So you'll make sure to to turn in, uh, tune in on Wednesday. That's it. Love y'all. Peace. Thank you.